Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello, everyone. It is the Red Men Podcast. We are back. We are live on YouTube right now, so you can interact with us in the comments. If you're listening to this after the fact, don't worry. You, you haven't missed any else anything yet. Well, maybe you put your will in the fullness of time. Um, I am Paul Machen. I'm joined by Chris Page, by Emma Sanders, and by Ben Kelly for this one. Uh, we're going to have a kickoff question in a moment. Uh, but yes, um, we're going to have a host of topics. Each guest brings a topic to the table if you're new to the podcast. Liverpool related. Yeah, they're all Liverpool related this week. Um, so we're going to dive into a few of them in a moment, including the legacy uh, left behind by Peter Moore, who's finally left his job as the CEO of Liverpool. Um, the documentary, the 30-year wait documentary that went out and I was really annoyed about because that was the title of what ours was going to be. Um, who's going to challenge Liverpool for the title this season? Uh, and if you were playing for Liverpool in the Champions League final, what would you be doing the night before and the night after, as well as hopefully a couple of questions from the audience as well while we do that. Kickoff question comes from me. Um, you have to wear one Liverpool shirt, past or present, for the rest of your life. You cannot wear anything else now i'll qualify this like you can wear undies and you can wear lower <laughs> half clothing that's just a bit it's a, that's maybe a touch extreme uh, but the, it, it, it's it's a magic shirt it cannot be removed it magically cleans itself and let's say you're cold and you want to put a hoodie or a jacket on they end up they'll they go underneath um which is fine when you're like an 18 year old Zoolander. Yeah, and you can get stuff on and off <laughs> without taking stuff yeah. off. <laughs> I'm glad you explained that because we were like, "What?" Like, uh, I was just, I was just shuffling through all of my Zoolander references in my head. <laughs> That's what I wouldn't have pulled out. That was fantastic. Well done. I was, I was expecting people normally go blue steel, and I was like, "That doesn't relate here." Um, but no, the. Um, so like if you're an 18 year old and you're a bit you're a bit cool or whatever you know and you want to do that thing where you put your hoodie on underneath your shirt which as a grown man makes you look like you should probably be on a register um but you that's that might be worth considering for for men of of our age chris um so <laughs> um, right emma sanders you did you did a, a long process to come to your answer here <laughs> so, yeah. then press google on it and then came up with a shirt what is that shirt yeah so basically i'm not really a massive like football shirt person i if sorry i mean phones just answered the question on google brilliant thank you phone <laughs> yeah no so i was going to say that just the like really obvious one of just the 2018-19 shirt like i just love that shirt and like obviously that was my first like kind of proper champions league finals like an adult so that was cool i like the dark red like the little v-neck so I was like, that's a boring answer. So I thought, oh, I'll Google one that's a little bit older. So like the shirts I used to wear when I was a kid was like um, Michael Owen's shirts, basically. Like the kind of like 99, 2000, 2001 shirts. So I just Googled that year, basically, just around that era. And uh, picked out the, um, you know, like the kind of mustard away one in 2000, 2001. The kind yeah. of Robbie Fowler. Yeah, fecal final. Yeah, that shirt was absolutely So yeah, my... One minute and maybe twenty seconds of googling, and um, that's what I've come up with. Yeah, and you're that looking. Yeah, 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 and you're you're in a lucky situation being being a girl is that you, you girls just look better in football shirts than men do yeah. in general anyway. So this is a, a conundrum that the men have got to face more than than than, than 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 Emma in this one is that you know the situations in your life, lads, where this shirt is gonna 
be a make or breaker. It's gonna it could be a deal breaker this shirt <laughs> in some various circumstances. <laughs> you know, there's not many girls like, oh, I love a lad in a footy shirt. Just keep it on in the bedroom. There's, I don't think anyone's ever said that in the history of the world. Um, so Ben, um, what have you gone for? So I've gone for two. I, I've gone. It's just my favourite one is the seventeen eighteen, the the first Salah season. So that yeah. that's the one. And to, to be honest, that's that's probably the first like proper Liverpool. I'm trying to think. Like the, I think it might have been the first Liverpool kit that I like bought for myself at full price. Um, like, like you know what I mean? Is that when you um, got into adult sizes? Is that what you mean? Basically, yeah. Well, no, I'd already. I'd already yeah. No, I'm not joking. Yeah. Um, the, the, um, they'd always been gifts. And yeah. they'd always been like boys medium. So um, so that was the first one. And the only reason I don't wear the shirt anymore is because like I'm trying to preserve it. Because every time I wash it, like the sponsor cracks a little bit more. And I just don't yeah. want it to happen. However, I thought I did think that was also a little bit boring. So I, I Googled because I was watching that documentary the other night, which we're going to come on to. And I really like the 87, 88 home shirt with the crown pates. It's got like quite a nice collar. The yeah. reference this is yeah. it for anybody. John, oh, pure here. John Barnes, Phil. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think that would be me back up if 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 I couldn't get hold of me seventeen eighteen one. But because I was alive for the seventeen eighteen one, I think it's got to be that one. I feel like I've got to wear one that I, I, you know I was born to see okay. happen. That one didn't come up on my Google search. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, because you that's because you didn't type the right year in for that one. I think. Yeah. <laughs> you got one hundred and twenty eight years to, to, to choose from, Emma. That was one that you didn't choose from. So fair play, um, Chris. Go on. You've had just as much time to answer this one, but I can't wait for you. I cannot wait for your answer. I, I I don't know why. I mean, listen. There's things, isn't there, that you've got to you, you've got to look smart in. Mm-hmm. So like, you go into a wedding in the eighty seven, eighty eight home kit. Probably not. And also weather. I mean, are you going short sleeve or long sleeve here? I mean, these are, this is a bit of a conundrum for me, to be honest with you, because you can always roll the sleeves up. So I think it's probably best to have the long sleeve rather than the short sleeve. So I've got, yeah. I've settled on a long sleeve shirt first and foremost. And then my two favourite kits are both the 8788 home and the 8788 away. The crown paints, prop, as you said, John Barnes era. But I'm not sure... And now looking back, and I've literally got historical kits up now, and the away shirt, I think, in, 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 in 1906 to 1907 is just plain white, and it's got a bit of a collar, and you could probably get away with that at a wedding. And if you go into a wedding, I think a nice white shirt. Yes, you won't have the suit jackets and stuff, Paul, and I know that's what you're screaming. And anyone watching at home screaming, you won't have the suit jacket, you'll still look like a pleb, Chris. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> But I'm not wearing the 87, 88 home shirt or the grey away shirt. So maybe the white one. And I could, I don't know whether I could wear a tie with it. I mean, I'd give it a go. You certainly can't wear a tie uh, with the 87, 88 home or away shirt. So, But then I thought, you know what? I've had my wedding and I'm not planning on having another one anytime soon um, because I'm happily married. So if I fuck someone else's wedding up, am I really asked? Do I want to be wearing a plain white shirt for the rest of my life and being that guy? Oh, where's the plain white shirt guy? Oh, it's Chris the plain white shirt. Okay. No, I'd rather be the 8788 home kick guy, okay? Yeah, fine. Sorted. 8788 in your face world. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I couldn't. I could, yeah, there you go. And, and everyone wondering why I said I can't wait for Chris's answer is because Chris thinks deep, more deeply about these things. You know what I mean? You've got to think about like you've got to think about those formal situations. So for me, it's got to be a shirt with a collar. Because, I mean, I know technically I've said that all, you can wear stuff underneath, but I, I will make allowances for a tie. Uh, you know, so you can, you can, you can put it, you get a collar, you can put a tie in it. So I'm thinking it's a slight, it's a slight cheat, but like probably just like last season's, the last season's shape, but the blackout version. So it's like, it's still a Liverpool shirt. It's nice and smart, black, slimming, always good. Uh, and, you know, if you really had to wear it out, you're less likely to, you know, you're still able to go to town probably because it's not like you're wearing a bright red shirt and you've got people going, oh, no, you can't wear your colours in here, mate. You know, you've got to be, you, you, you've got to be able to enter certain social situations. Let's face it, and, and that's the problem ultimately with red and home kits is that you commit into, you've, it precludes you from other styles and other, other things as well, you know, I, I, uh, yeah, I need to be as, as plain and simple as possible in that. Yeah. Um, questions for anyone long watching? Long sleeve or short sleeve? Uh, now that you've mentioned it, because I hadn't considered that, it has to be long sleeve. Yeah, I'm the same. I, as soon as you said that, I thought Torres 0809. 
with the that that was that was the one that popped into mind. Just the nice long short, that long sleep, like nice long shorts. There's, there's one on that they've sold out of in the club shop at the moment, but they've gone back and done blackout versions of like loads of retro kits, and it's literally at the Liverpool sixty five. So it's the one with the round collar and the circular badge, and it's long sleeve. I've and got it's, that. Oh, Emma, don't. I almost, um, I almost wore it, actually. Like, literally, I had it on this morning. I took it off about an hour ago. Not even un- joking. That's unreal. That's the answer. Because it's, it's it looks like a normal top, but it's, it's also a normal yeah, it's amazing. Oh. It's just, it's so fit. Every time I go near the club, the club shop, I have a look, and they've only ever got it in like small, and it makes me so, so sad. And yeah, you're fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah to be honest, like, I, I buy, I still buy kids shit. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, sad. Okay, yeah. Get let your. Does the shirt grow with you, by the way? Um, it it's happened, not yeah. like, I'm not going to have to stay this weight forever, am I? Uh, I mean, it would be hilarious <laughs> for you if it stayed the same size and I still had to squeeze into it magically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that'd be a motivational thing, you know. But, but then I guess because you never notice yourself putting weight on. It's only like after like six months, he's like, oh my God. <laughs> like he's just like bulging out of the seams of this non <laughs> Bullshit. Um, right, so that kind of happened to me in lockdown, to be perfectly honest. Um, right, okay, uh, we're going to dive into the topics in a moment, but I just want to point everyone's attention to the fact that we mentioned this before, but it's worth mentioning again. Everyone's been going mad for the documentary that was on the BBC. We'll talk about it uh, in a few moments, but we've got our own three-part, three-episode mini-series based around last season and how the Mighty Reds managed to become not just champions of the world, not just champions of England, but champions of everything. Uh, that three-part series is streaming now on the Red Men. TV.com. Here's a little sneak peek. The Man United game is, and it will be probably rightly held up as the, as the moment. It's one nil. You're in injury time. Allison catches the ball in his box, and you see him run. And I think I'm screaming at the time, "Go down, keep hold of it," and all that. But you know, when that magnificent bastard grabs that ball, he's got one thing on his mind. And I can see Salah, by the way. I can see no one anywhere near him, and I'm still screaming, "Get down!" Everyone's screaming, "Get down! Keep the ball! Keep the ball! Keep the ball!" And he just floats it perfectly, hoofs it down the field into Mo Salah's path, and then he's in a foot race with the fastest man alive. It was a Daniel James or something like that, and he can't catch him. And then there, he's bearing down onto the cop, onto David De Gea, nestles into the back uh, and into the net, and there's just this explosion, this guttural roar from the cop. Unreal, and then you jump around going ballistic, and then all of a sudden, it's And then it starts to ring around Anfield, we're going to win the league. Yeah, your best player goes and, and, and seals the game, you can celebrate it properly, and then you start singing, we're going to win the league for the first time. And knowing that it's not like on a knife edge, it's not you spit sawdust and magic that's got you there, we're going to win the league because we're miles better than everyone else in the league. That was the time where publicly we all said that Liverpool were going to win the league. We'd all said it privately, but for, but for fear of being made a fool or being clipped up or putting it on social media or anything else, that was the time when all those fears got pushed to one side and, and, and the whole world stood up and took notice that Liverpool were going to win this Premier League. Hey, welcome back. Yes, you can get that documentary series in full streaming now on the redmentv.com. Go and sign up. It's absolutely amazing. There's loads of additional benefits and extra content as well. I cannot recommend it enough. Um, yes, we're going to be doing the Reds Transfer Roundup show, which, judging by some of the live comments on this, is exactly what everyone wants to watch. Because all people want to do is talk about transfers. Yeah, let's have a, let's go have a big whinge tomorrow. What transfers? Exactly, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> no transfers, apart from the ones we've made, uh, which don't count. Doesn't matter that it doesn't Have matter. we still signed more players than Man United? Uh, yeah, uh, you know what? That might be true. I've, I genuinely, genuinely am not asked. Um, 
we'll, we'll come to that. Let's have a big, we'll have a big whinge about that tomorrow on the show anyway. Uh, so if you want that show, you actually be two ways to get all the Red Transfer Roundup show. You can join up as a YouTube member um, as a Tier 2 or Tier 3, which is Club Captain or Club Legend level, and you get that show for the next two weeks um, as an additional piece of bonus content. Or again, sign up to the RedmenTV.com, get that three-part documentary series and that show and the final words and a whole host of extra things as well. Uh, yes, one of which I'll mention in a moment. So I'm going to kick things off um, with uh, the legacy of Peter Moore. Um, now we know he's left his role at, at Liverpool Football Club. Um, he's going to apparently kind of assess his life next. He's going to move back over to the to the state. I think to be closer to his kids and what have you. And it's an interesting one. I, I think he's Chris. I think he's going to be broadly. I think he's going to be really well remembered. But certainly a lot better a better thought of than Ian Air. Um, which is which is I think is a lot of this is PR as much as anything else. But I think Peter's you know he's conducted himself pretty well. He certainly had a lot of public missteps. But I think the overriding feeling will be one that he's done a good job. I think so. I think it's very difficult to to understand how somebody's going to be viewed or guess how somebody's going to be viewed in five, ten years' time. But, you know, hopefully Liverpool continue on this upward trajectory and continue at the top of the tree, as it were. And, you know, if Liverpool do continue to win trophies and Premier Leagues and European Cups and all the rest of it, then Peter Moore will be there as the foundations of that, one of the founding fathers of this era of football. And, you know, you just have to see where we were when he came in three years ago, three and a half years ago, to where we are now, you know. You know, only a month ago we were literally champions of everything, and that's Peter Moore uh, as much as um, Jurgen Klopp, and, and maybe not as much as Jurgen Klopp and the players. But you know what I mean. You know what I mean. It's like yeah. wording, like Herbie more than anything else. But you know, he, he's done a great job for the football club. And you're right, there are public missteps, of course. But will they be remembered in ten years' time? I mean, pr- we'll probably remember them. Um, but I, I will remember the fact that. When he was wrong, he said he was wrong and he, he held his hand up and he apologised. So I think, first of all, he was a good person doing a difficult job. Um, who managed to? It was who was one of the reasons that Liverpool got back to being the best club in world football and one of the better run football clubs as well. Yeah, definitely. I, I think in, in some respects, ever he was he's been needed because it's funny because we watched a lot of the being Liverpool series and Ian Air comes off really kind of badly in in that you know in trying to be in trying to be himself I don't think we were ready for that kind of thing was I actually think Liverpool needed a bit of a celebrity kind of CEO to, to be honest because when you've got the owners they don't really come to Anfield very often it's, it's often a criticism that they're not seen enough so they don't see they're not seen to be running the club Peter Mudd did a very good thing he put himself out of the forefront and you know him turning up to events and traveling the world and visiting supporters clubs and and and, and, and talking about it and, and doing it with that you know Okay, okay, a transatlantic slang, uh, you know, or twang to his voice, but certainly a little hint of scouse in there. Um, I think that's kind of what Liverpool needed, a, a figurehead at the club. Yeah, you summed it up really well in that word, figurehead, because as you say, he, he was at kind of everything. And I think the one thing that I'll certainly remember um, of him is that he did genuinely feel like a fan. And he always tried to engage with the fans, even his social media, you know, he'd, he'd reply to people who, you know, retweet. And it wasn't like he put himself kind of above the fans. It was like he kind of wanted to be a part of them. And I do believe he genuinely always tried to understand what the what the fans wanted. And obviously some of his mistakes, which he, as Chris said, you know, he put his hands up and admitted to them. A lot of those that he perhaps overturned or was a part of overturning was down to the fact that he and among others had listened to kind of the supporters' views and what they wanted. You know, he'd turn up to women's games, he'd turn up to academy games. Um, you know, he was always there or thereabouts. Um, obviously, I don't think anyone will say that he did a perfect job, but on the whole, I thought he did, um, uh, yeah, I thought he did really well. And as Chris yeah. said, like he'll be remembered for kind of his time during this era, which is, you know, the best local era we've had in modern times and probably will go on to be, even bigger than that and could be a dynasty under Jurgen Klopp and you know he was he was a key key figure in that and um, yeah just all you have to look is at the people that are sort of congratulating him when, when he's leaving and the yeah. response that he's getting on Twitter it's not a bad time to go, really, is it, Ben? All told, you know, you, 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 we've won everything there is to win, pretty much, and he gets to, I mean, obviously, I'm going to, for those who are actually watching, I'm going to be doing a, a chat with James Pierce later on today, just to kind of get a little bit more of a lowdown on the ins and outs on it. They've done a piece on The Athletic about it. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it, it is a good time for him to step away, not that he was necessarily, you know, his contract ended, you know, that, that he's, come to, he's come to the end of his, his, his spell at the club, but yeah, I mean, he'll be able to look back on it fondly and 
yeah, I think again, like I say, probably probably is a positive legacy. No, I think I think it is. I think what probably what he for me what he doesn't get enough credit for, as well as um, the players and the manager, as you say, Chris having having an impact on this as well. But Liverpool, since he arrived, has gone from here right the way up here in terms of global marketing and being you know well aware. You know, obviously we were we were well known all over the globe anyway. But really, we, I'd say our our um, uh, what's the word like you know it marketing success has pretty much mirrored the in terms of a in terms of a rise as on the pitch and i think that this means more campaign was absolutely genius and he's done really well to really capture um you know the 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 feel of the club from a fan's perspective and put that out there for everybody else to see and i think i think you know it, it's really difficult to describe how much of a sort of a, 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 a close knit sort of feel it is at Liverpool but there was a video that came out ahead of the, I think the 18-19 season where it was clock narrating it it was like you know these are our Saturday nights these are our midweek games after school and all this and it was just this two minute thing and I just thought that was absolutely brilliant and I know he won't be directly responsible for all of that but I think certainly the foundations will have been put in place by him and given yeah. his background his relationship with the club beforehand and sort of you know his personal background he'll have had a heavy say on how to communicate that message properly and I think yeah. because of that in terms of you know global sort of influence around the world we, we we've we've really improved ourselves and I think yeah. that's that's worth a mention I think it's right and, and it's interesting Ben kind of touched on it there Chris and you you saw this got to see this firsthand. you know he was a big proponent of the whole um local heartbeat global pulse stuff and it's look it's it's all just PR bollocks, isn't it? You know, but I mean, but he, he tried his best for it to, to not be, you know, and, and I think when you've got someone who's the figurehead of things like that, I think in years gone by, Liverpool threw these slogans out. You know, we come not to play is a good example of one. Like, and it, a lot of this is just coming from your kit manufacturer as much as anything else. And it all means the same thing. It's all the same, like a, a bit of defiance, bit of this and that. But when you've got a fella who goes out and he's also then taking it to the streets, as it were, taking it to the fans and being the being speaking to them one what it, it's easy easier I think for people to buy into that stuff yeah I mean the we come not to plays it was the worst the absolute worst because you know you're supposed to play football lads um, <laughs> literally coming up with something that says we're not going to do that is fucking stupid uh, but the, this moves more and you know as you as you mentioned the heartbeat the pulse stuff absolutely brilliant but you know I was over in uh, I think it was Munich wasn't it uh, where Peter Moore was doing a talk to um, German Reds and I thought it was one of the most eye-opening talks that I've seen from anyone inside the football club in fact it was the most eye-opening talk because they talked about the finances they talked about all kinds of things that you don't normally see as a supporter and you know I just wish that you know if there was one if there was one thing that they could do better is they if they I wish they would just service the home fans as well as the uh, as yeah. the fans from around the world because it, it what I got from being over in Germany with the Reds over there was better than I've ever got from anyone in the football club here and I'm yeah. not sure that's exactly right and you need to get the balance of that but yeah for bringing people in who are all around the world I mean you can't make them feel any closer than the, to the football club than the CEO of the football club talking to you about their plan and yeah. and, and you know and then seeing after that everything that they've done on the pitch and, and it playing out in exactly the same way. I think, you know, not only that as well, I think it needs recognising exactly what Peter gave to the community, you know, not only with his own foundation, but what he what he did buying the van for fans supporting food banks. You know, he's there every weekend, every home game, dropping bags of food off. Uh, his wife, is it Debbie? Mm -hmm. His wife yeah. doing, you know, yoga for people and, and especially during lockdown as well. You know, these Zoom calls with, with Liverpool fans and, and people in and around the Anfield area who are maybe a little bit lonely and stuff like that. So they threw themselves in, not just Peter, but his wife as well, as a couple into Liverpool and its community and gave something back. They didn't just take away. Not only did they give the club something, but they also gave the community something. And I, I've never known a, a CEO in the last 20 years do that. I'm not yeah. saying they don't because some people like to keep that stuff hidden and uh, uh, but what Peter was very very good at that and as was his wife and you know they'll be missed in the community as well which I think says a lot about them as yeah. people to be honest with you yeah yeah it's interesting to see what kind of follows now really isn't it Emma because Billy Hogan's stepping into the role he's been getting groomed for that for a while now to be honest and I just wonder whether you look at the missteps that maybe Liverpool have made and, and maybe this is and this is maybe a cynical view of it and we'll see how this pans out in time but Peter, in some respects, 
having those connections, I think it was necessary, but it also makes you more open to influence. And I wonder whether, like, as an example, we've got like, the furlough and stuff. Like, I don't know that if Liverpool have got a slightly more withdrawn, colder, less less kind of like community-led CEO, the Liverpool don't just push on with that. And look, Liverpool might be in a situation now where they're, they're far more set financially and maybe just having someone who isn't quite as connected so Liverpool actually is part of like well Liverpool have built it they've got this global brand now it's time to drive you really turn the screw and not I don't necessarily actually mean it in a negative way for the, the, the local fans but I actually mean be someone who's a bit more brutal in going out and earning Liverpool money yeah it, you're right like that is actually a really interesting point and it's as Chris said before it's hard to tell really how these people are going to do until you see the hindsight in you know 10-15 years time because that's when you know kind of what they've managed to achieve over a period of time and you can compare it to past CEOs. So it's going to be interesting to see how Billy Hogan does. But yeah, certainly that kind of business head um, that you were kind of suggesting there, I do think um, is going to be important during this period when, you know, we're all expecting um, Liverpool to go on and, and, you know, pick up more titles and get more money, um, get more global fan base and, and success. So you do need someone in there with a business head um, yeah. to, you know, kind of take that forward. And like you say, maybe one with a bit more of a global interest than, than what Peter Moore perhaps had. Okay. Chris? Uh, yeah, I think it's a really interesting thing when you when you think about Billy Hogan. As you write, I think you're right, Paul. He has been getting groomed for a few years now and he probably wasn't ready three and a half years ago. Now, I imagine he's going to be a very, very, very different type of CEO to Peter Moore. And I'm not sure that's necessarily a good thing. I think there are advantages to it, which you've already alluded at. Uh, I don't think he'll be as um, easily swayed by the local fan base, shall we say. Um, I'm not sure that's a good thing. I think that's actually a bad thing. I think, you know, for for all the missteps that Peter made, and, and you know, you can count them on one hand, there wasn't loads and loads, not public ones anyway. Um, I think the decisions were the right decisions in the end, whether they were right for the business of Liverpool Football Club, probably not. But they were right for the soul of Liverpool Football Club, and, and I think when you get the fans on side uh, and you and the clubs pointing in the same direction, and we're all singing from the same hymn sheets, I think we're a better football club. Make, we may not make as many pounds, but I think there's something that you can't quite put your finger on that you will gain a, a tangible benefit from having us on side. And I'm not sure Liverpool will be making the right move personally. There's just a thing as well away from that. Yeah, there's just the thing, isn't there as well, Ben? Where uh, there's something about Peter Moore. And he was, he was, he was. They got lucky with him to some extent because, it, and again, the, the Scouse accent was definitely was definitely on the. You know, was I think he brushed it off and, and pushed it back out a little harder maybe than he had in previous years. But he having that and having that connection to the city meant that he actually spoke really well. It was like he spoke as the voice of Liverpool. I'm not sure people want to hear Billy Hogan. And again, I've, I, this is I'm just saying this now. I don't have a personal. I've never I, I've never had a personal interaction with Billy Hogan, and, and this might be this might be harsh, but. I think that's a that's a thing that he won't be able to do in the same way. I don't know that he's going to be an inspire the fans kind of CEO. I suspect he's a business. That's what I mean by what I was saying earlier. He, he's probably just a pure business CEO. He's gonna you're, you're not going to see him doing the same things. You're not going to see him sat on a high bar stool having a good old natter with like people who have been Liverpool fans for forty years and swapping stories because he doesn't have that. He, he, that's not who he is. Potentially not, but you'd hope after all this time, if he has been being groomed for the job, he would have a, a relative understanding of what we're about, and, and Liverpool wouldn't make the decisions to put oh, him in that yeah, role yeah. if 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 he didn't have that. I think maybe the fear is behind. You know, I know we're going to talk about the documentary in a minute, but the, obviously there was a long spell in that on Hicks and Gillette, and um, and I think Rick Parry was saying that he felt that George Gillette kind of did get the club, but Tom Hicks didn't at all. And, and, you know, there is always that fear that you're going to end up with another somebody like Tom Hicks who just sees it. I mean, Wigan have gone through it at the moment in terms of an owner who's come in and just basically not doesn't care about the football, has stripped the club for its assets and now they're in trouble. Now, I'm not suggesting that that's where we're going to end up because we've got an American as CEO, but you've got to be careful with who you're putting in these roles because if they're just, if they are completely business motivated, then that's not what you want. You need yeah. somebody who understands the game, loves the game and isn't just there to run the books, basically. And, and you know, as I say, as I said at the beginning, and you'd hope that Liverpool and Billy Hogan have had enough time to recognise that and therefore they're making a good decision by putting him in this role. 
Absolutely, Chris. Yeah, I think I think uh, another thing that you, 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 we can think about, and we don't know the answers. And, and I'm like you, Paul. I, I I'm just guessing that this is the type of CEO that Billy Hogan will be. But good leaders surround themselves with good people, and just like Klopp has done with his training staff, Klopp doesn't understand everything. Doesn't know how, and he knows his coaching staff, for example, didn't know how to coach throw-ins as well as Thomas Gronemark. But they got in Thomas Gronemark. Um, there's, there's nothing to say that when Billy Hogan comes in, he doesn't just hire somebody who can be that sort of soul of the football club, as it were. Yeah. Or maybe they promote somebody from inside, like a Barrett or something like that, who understands the football club better than almost any of anybody. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's wild speculation at this point. Uh, but I, I, again, I'll say it again. I do think he's going to be very different to Peter Moore. And I think the move needs to be carefully thought of. I'm sure it will have been, yeah. uh, and I'm, I do hope that they do have someone in that sort of sole role, as it were. Absolutely, the sole role. Wow. I like that. I wonder if that's I wonder what number that would be on the pitch. Official title. Um, right. Sixty-six. Sixty-six. Um, right. Okay. Ben, you've, you've alluded to it already. Uh, you want to talk about the documentary? Yeah. Um, not so much the documentary itself, because I think it was actually interesting on um, Sunday night. I, I sat and watched it, and I really enjoyed it. But I didn't feel like the Liverpool fans. I don't. I don't feel like it was necessarily directed at us, if that makes sense. I feel like it, it, was, it was a lot of what I already knew. And actually, on the back of it, I've had people message me. I saw some people in work yesterday who were like, oh, I watched it, you know, and I'm not really that into football, but, you know, I really enjoy it and all that. And I think that's the type of person that it was designed for because a lot of it, you know, educating people, you've got to do it in bite-sized chunks, haven't you? There's a little bit on Heisel, there's a little bit on Hillsborough, there's a little bit on Hicks and Gillette and Rafa, and there's, a, you know, it moves and eventually it moves into Klopp. And this season, it's quite, it's, it's quite nicely paced, even though it missed some things out. But the, the topic that I wanted to discuss was a lot of what I saw on Twitter surrounding it was all about, well, you know, why didn't they make a documentary about Man City or why didn't they make a documentary about Leicester or why, you know, and all this. And to some extent, I do agree. And I feel like I'm not sure, even Man United, I'm not sure I would see as many documentaries about Man United if they were winning leagues again than, than Liverpool. I just wonder what pe what you guys think is so marketable about Liverpool for the BBC. Because to put... A 90-minute documentary on primetime Sunday evening television on BBC Two about Liverpool is a big call, and yeah. they've made that decision. So what is it? What Liverpool seems to be possibly the most romantic club in the country, and what is it about us that makes us so people people want to tell our story? There's, I think there's, if you don't mind, I think there's a there's a number of factors at play here, and I think. The size of Liverpool helps, you know, the existing size. You know what I mean. So I'm not saying I'm not sure there would have been documentaries made about Liverpool in the same way 40 years ago. You know what I mean? Because because again, Liverpool. The, the, I tried to explain this to people during during lockdown and post title win about why it was such a big deal. So because it's a it's a sporting moment when a sporting institution hasn't done something uh, conquer a particular particular sporting achievement for a long spell like that it's like the Chicago Cubs winning the World Series you know what I mean it'd be, you know it's this this the sporting institutions that are massive and are, are globally known, but when they go a big, it, it transcends the normal sporting thing. So no one really cares about Man City going Centurions because it was just a, a good team does a good thing. You know what I mean? Like you know, whereas like like Real Madrid, I'm sure there will have been a documentary made about La Decima, but I'm not sure there's one made about when they get to like 30. <laughs> you know, it's it's and, and and also what you've got is more and more. Is there's a there's just a there's a there's a built-in audience there, isn't there, about Liverpool being so big? There's such a massive thing that you know you can pour time, money, and effort into something, and there are enough people who would naturally watch it. So even if no one else is asked, there's enough Liverpool fans that it's worth your while putting something Liverpool. It's why journalists make up Liverpool transfer stories and and, and all that kind of thing because there's fucking loads of us. So there's definitely something in that regard. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Yeah, I mean... Uh, go on, Emma, you go, Miss. Uh, I, was, I thought you were going to steal my thunder there. No, I was just going to say, um, kind of along the lines of what Paul said there, in the sense of the size of the club, obviously, is, is the immediate attraction, but also the fact that historically as well, it is, you know, one of, if not the biggest club in England. Obviously, I'd, I'd say Manchester United and Liverpool are, are the two. Um, but I think another thing is that, yes, it, it was 30 years. And no, it wasn't 30 years of hurt because Liverpool have enjoyed, you know, plenty of success on the European stage during that time. But there was hurt in that, in the sense that, obviously, there's just been, there's this fight, obviously, against Hillsborough and everything that's happened there. They've had to kind of wait for this Premier League title and they've had near misses, obviously the Stevie G um, slip and everything like that. And then they've had to sit and watch a dynasty being created over um, sort of over the road at Manchester United during this time. So it has been a long wait for Liverpool fans. And because of the size of the club and because of the rivalries that, that they've had with, you know, with the likes of Manchester United who have had all of that success, I think that obviously makes the story a little bit better, doesn't it? Um, that it has been hard to come by. But also, I think the general kind of working class background of the club as well, it is, it's, you know, like Everton fans will say that, that their club is is the people's club. And it's like, well, actually Liverpool, um, it is it is a working class. It's a socialist club. It's, you know, it's everything that's been built from, you know, Bill Shankly and Bob Paisley and, every, you know, all those that kind of put those philosophies and morals and, um, everything in place years and years ago and that hasn't changed that absolutely has not changed and I think there's very few football clubs in the world that that can say that that can say that they're still in the same position you know from a kind of uh, I don't know a kind of um, belief point of view that they were a hundred years ago Liverpool is certainly that and I think it helps when you've got those managers who have created those dynasties and those eras in history um, because then you can you know, you become attached to that era. Um, and that's why I think the global fan base builds so, so quickly and so easily. You know, you've got Jürgen Klopp who's come in now who fits all of those kind of political, um, moral um, sort of standings of the club. He is absolutely, you know, a working class man. He's, he's a rough kind of German who's come in. You know, he doesn't, doesn't pounce around in a smart suit. You know, he's very much a, a Liverpool kind of man. He just gets the club. Um, he's come in and he's now started to build this dynasty and it's romantic and it's all about the fans being with the team and it's all one club. And um, from a global point of view, um, the romanticism around that is just so much more marketable than, you know, a club that obviously United under Fergie um, was an incredible period in history and absolutely, you know, the the best in, in English football. But because it was so... Um, I guess ruthless there wasn't maybe quite the romanticism alongside it that you might have towards this kind I of think will, I think there will be though I think that romanticism with Manchester United will come back yeah. oh yeah oh it will do absolutely they, yeah they'll, they go 10 years more you know they, if they even get to like 10 15 whatever years without a league title when they finally win that next league title that and, and, they'll, and they'll have that nostalgia factor because we've had that all we've been playing on the yeah. nostalgia while we've had, well, we haven't had the title so we Liverpool have built up the romanticism around it to some to some extent sorry Emma yeah no that, that's absolutely it and that's kind of the point that I'm making is that 
Um, Liverpool had that with you know with the with the Shankers and the Paisleys, and then because it, it's been that way, that that's what it is. It's it's that nostalgia kind of romanticism. So obviously, when United were winning all that time, it was just ruthless win, 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 win. And yeah, and then if if Klopp now builds a dynasty with Liverpool, which is obviously what all Liverpool fans hope to see, then as you say, United fans will look back on that period with Fergie, and it will probably be become more you know romantic because it will be like look that was when you know he got the club, you know we built. We built the class of '92. It was our, it was our people from our city. Um, that this is what's happening at Liverpool now, and that is what's happened over the last 30 years. There's, there's two clubs that this can happen to in, in England, and it's Liverpool and it's Manchester United. And the simple fact of the matter is, they're the two biggest clubs in in England. Um, for, and I think the story helps. I think Paul's absolutely spot on for me. Anyway, that you know, in ten years' time, if Man United still haven't won a title and they do, they'll, then a documentary will be written. Uh, be be sorry, will be will be made about it. Uh, I think it really helps that there is pain in this story as well. Um, and I think. You know, Manchester United had that with the Busby Babes, um, and Liverpool have had that with Heysel and with Hillsborough. And you know, unfortunately, it is part of our history. It's part of the fabric of this football club. And as a story, um, that all helps to sell it as well, doesn't it? Um, and especially when there's been a little bit, a little bit of closure on on said story. Um, you know, I think that's uh, you know a, a good time to then make this documentary. Had Liverpool won the title before? There was justice, as it were. Then, who knows whether whether the same would be made? I, I'm not sure, but for me, it's just as simple as we're the biggest club in England, and everybody cares about us, whether they like us or they don't. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I don't. There won't be this. You can't. You can't do this next year when Liverpool do it. You know, because there's a big story in Liverpool levelling up. So if Liverpool get to like 20 league titles alongside Manchester United. That's actually a really big story as well, and that would be almost worthy of a of a big thing. But 30, the big 30 year wait is so is so massive. It's such an evocative thing, and you're right. It's a story, isn't it? You know, any 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 massive sporting club because there's so many highs and lows tied to it, and there's fa- and there's the failures along the way, the near misses are what makes the story that much more tantalising. It's why winning the Champions League last year was so was sort of almost sweeter because of the fact that we come so close and and and, and carriest it. Um, Quick I, question: What's better, winning the league or winning the European Cup? Winning in the European Cup. Winning the European Cup all day. Oh, as in next season or just in general? Just in general. Just general. What's better? Yeah, winning the European Cup. And your yeah, face, Man City fans. Um, <laughs> um, right. Okay. Speaking of the league, and... comment section as well. What's better? Yeah, in, in I'll, the... tell you, I'll tell you why it's better. I tell you why it's better because on a European glo- like a European scale, everybody knows how many European cups everybody's got. I couldn't really tell you how many league titles Real Madrid or Barcelona have, but I know that Real Madrid have got 13 European Cups and I know that Barcelona have got five. And that's how you're measured in terms of success across Europe. So well, it's, 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 it's the best teams. It's the best teams in the world, isn't it? And, and they all go in this one competition. But the reason why I asked just in general or next season, because I think if Liverpool were to defend the Premier League title and win back-to-back Premier League titles next season, I think that that would be bigger than them winning the European Cup next season. Personally, Chris is just being chairish. It's just like, <laughs> and, and rightly so, because that's that's the thing. It was, I, remember, like, I remember being on the before the Community Shield last year, being on on Radio Five with a Man City fan and them saying, and and Man, and Man City were being geared up, and Pep was all was briefing them all basically on like all oh, the Premier Leagues that had the hardest one to win, and all. And, and it's hard to argue that it's not the hardest to win when Liverpool hadn't won one for thirty years. And it's like, well, which which is the bigger trophy? No, it's the fucking European Cup all day long. You're dead right. I can tell you, I know that Aston Villa have won one, and I know that Nottingham Forest have won two. Whereas, like, you know, and I remember, and I talk about I remember... Ajax sides from the mid nineties, you know, and and and, and AC Milan said obviously because we played them, but like you remember great sides from the European exploits, not from the, what they did, what they did domestically. So yeah, that's a good question, and it's the obvious answer, and we know because and now we can sit back as smug pricks. <laughs> Look at Chris's face. I genuinely believe it though. It's genuinely just a better competition. I mean, and for them yeah. saying it's easier to win the European Cup. It's not. It never has been because how many leagues have we won? 
true. And how many European Cups have we won? If it was easier, we'd have more European Cups than leagues. Absolutely. 100%. Um, yes, okay. Sounds. Uh, Chris, while we're on it and we're talking about the league and the, and the European Cup and all that, um, I think initially he wants to talk about the, the managers, but I think there's a really uh, there's a really interesting wider topic around what what about this season coming up. Yeah, I think so. Um, look, we all know there's there's good managers in the league, there's bad managers in the league, there's good sides, there's, there's sides who aren't making transfers, Liverpool. Um, <laughs> the sides that are making loads of fucking transfers, Chelsea. Um, but I want to know from everybody here, and I'll start with you, Ben. Who is going to challenge Liverpool this season? And and not and not only just that, how close is it going to be? Um, I think. Uh, it's so hard, isn't it? Because me and Ross tried to do this last season and I think we got it horrendously wrong. <laughs> um, so so it's, it's difficult, isn't it? I think it will be closer, not because not because teams will catch up. I don't know whether this will go down as a popular opinion. I don't think teams will catch up to us, but I think we will drop a little bit um, and therefore that's how it will be closer. I don't think... I don't think 99 points wins you the league this season. I, I think, you know, it's going to be more high 80s, early 90s instead. Um, 99 does win you the league, though, Ben. I don't think, yeah, of, of course, yeah, but I don't think you necessarily have to get that many. I think you could, I think <laughs> it's going to go challenge. more back to normal. Um, so I think City are going to be up there. I think... It all depends on how Chelsea bed in. Personally, I think that, you know, Thiago Silva, I think, is a good signing, but you're still going to need a season, really, to bed everybody in. It, they're not all going to be singing the same hymn street straight away. Um, and, you know, how does Frank Lampard manage so many egos, so many top-quality players as a relatively inexperienced manager is going to be really interesting. I don't think... Um, I, I, I don't think they're going to be title challengers, but I, I think Tottenham will have a better season. Because um, I think, you know, a pre-season and whatever for Mourinho at this stage in the Mourinho cycle tends to be pretty good. So he's got players there like Deli Ali and Son. I really like that. Um, I really rate that Lo Celso um, and Bergwijn as well. I think they've got a good set of players. Um, and then obviously you've got Arsenal as well who are looking to, you know, do a little bit better. That They seem to be playing not better football, but they 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 they're getting into this habit of being quite a low block side against big teams, and it's actually paying off for them a little bit. So it'll be quite interesting to see how that pays off over the course of the season. Although I'd put good money on us to beat them in the third game of the season because obviously of what happened on Saturday, and I'd fancy us to do that. So it's all going to be very interesting to conclude. Hmm. I, I I I completely agree and everything you said there. I think I've got, and it makes me so glad that we won the league last season. Just got it done because it's gonna. I think this season coming, we're gonna realise there's probably six teams. I don't think six teams you can win the title, but I think our, our, between Arsenal, Spurs. Chelsea certainly, and, and, and probably you know Man United. Probably to be fair, they're all a bit more settled and a bit more established than they were a year ago. I think they've got they've all got a, a way of playing. I don't think it is a comprehensive way of playing. I think there's only two teams that have got that, and that's Liverpool and Man City, who, who have got a, a a plethora of ways in which they can beat a team. And whereas I think they've got they've all got that like plucky underdog thing. We've got a load of talent. They're they're the fresh teams. They've got you know different tactical approaches that are now that are now starting to be bedded in. They've got a clear direction of travel and their job is going to be to try and like like we saw when we, we were talking about it with the, the community shield, Arsenal their job is to come and like give Liverpool a bloody nose and if they can get something out of us, great. And I think that's what will happen. I think the top six will be much more competitive. Uh, but I actually think the rest of the league, I don't think the rest of the league is going to be up to as much because I think the 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 heavy the, the sort of heavy run of games that's going to be happening all season long will be to the detriment of your Burnleys and your Palaces and your etc etc. But I think the top teams will flourish. But I think it will. Uh, you'll still have everyone saying it's a shit season because Liverpool will still win it. I think, um, but there'll be a load of there'll be loads more crap in the league than there has been previously. Part of me's hoping though that like you know obviously I want to win the league again, but. I like I want us to win a title race, you know what I mean? Like we we've not we haven't yet done that, you know what I mean? Like I, I'd kind of like a few more to be a little bit more close to us and you know have a have a really exciting running where actually we come out on top. You know, if you think about 18, 19, 13, 14, 08, 09, the title races that I I can remember Liverpool being involved in the tight ones and we've come out second every time. I'd like us to go toe to toe with 
you know, another one, maybe two clubs, you know, going for the league in the final stretch of the games of the season and come out on top and really feel like just that almost that extra level of satisfaction at the end that you've actually fended off people for your title. It would be nice. It would be nice, wouldn't it, for people not to say you won it because someone else was crap. And that's well, you won it because Man City weren't weren't very good. It's like no, Liverpool won it because they were bad. They were just streets ahead of absolutely anything else. No, it's an interesting point. I'm not sure my heart could take it. I didn't get the satisfaction from last season for having us walk it because we had to then go through all. We had the stress of there being a title challenge, and that stress was null and void. So we had all that all that draw, it was, the stress was drawn out over an extra two and a half months than it would have normally been. But um, no, go on, go on. Emma. We were we were fighting. We were fighting. Um, you know, a team or a, a fucking virus that you know we didn't know what it, what was going to happen though. So that yeah. that stress was more than a title run, and I'm damn oh, sure God, of that yeah. one. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, Emma, give us your top four in order. Oh, all right. Uh, well, well, all, all I will just say is I'll just add. Um, I agree with you. I do. I still, for me, it's, it's only Liverpool and Man City that are going to be in this race if there is one. Um, but I do think Chelsea as well. It's the first season with Frank Lampard competing in the Champions League as well. So I think that's a big test. Um, so yeah, they, they've they've recruited, but how is he going to be able to manage that that new challenge of competing in the Champions League alongside the league as well? So yeah, I in think the Champions that, League last season, Emma. Oh shit, yeah, they were, weren't you? Oh, yeah. oh scrap that. I was singing there. BBC's yeah, 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 it's because I've got Manchester United. Should have just answered your um, top four, Emma. So I'm thinking Liverpool, Man City. Um, you know what? I reckon Arsenal could could actually uh, could actually nick third, which is a big shout there. But and then Chelsea fourth. I, I think it's a really interesting thing, Chris, because there's. I think Chelsea, on paper, Chelsea should be amazing. Chelsea should be the third best team, I think, because of the money they've spent. And I think all the logic that's seeing people lose their heads about Liverpool's transfer policy, it should follow logically that if Liverpool are going to be rubbish because they've not bought players, then and Chelsea are going to be the best team ever because they've bought loads of players. But I don't. It just doesn't work like that. I think. I think what you'll find is I think people there will be a really tight title race for about three months four months where uh, when Chelsea are doing really well and Arsenal are doing really well and, and United are doing really well as well as City and, and Liverpool potentially and ultimately I think I just think class will show as the, as the season goes and it will happen in a number of ways teams will hit a really tough patch and it will be are they do they have the muscle memory of a team that they can fall back on when the, when, the, when the chips are down and when you've bought loads of new players, you don't really have that to fall back on uh, when you've got them. And then it's also whether the managers are good enough to handle that situation. And I wonder whether it'll be in order of quality of manager almost and what, what the top four pans out like. And it, and that's what I'm, I'm... And as I'm saying it, does that mean Jose Mourinho ends up sneaking Spurs into top four? I'm not sure. But it's whether... Is Arteta good? Is Ole good? And is Lampard good? And... and I think we'll find, I think one of them might get sacked this season. Um and the one that does well, won't end up in top four. Let's move it on then. Let's talk about the managers themselves. I mean, you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw mine out there to give you a little bit of a, a time, but let's write rate the top sixes managers um from good well from first to sixth, best to worst, as it were. So I'm gonna start. I say that it's very difficult to split Klopp and Guardiola, but I'm going to put Klopp on top and then I'm going to put Guardiola second based on what they did last season. Um, and then I say Mourinho is the third best manager out of the top six. I'm going to say Arteta's the fourth. I'm going to say Lampard's the fifth. And I'm going to say Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is the sixth. Anyone agree or disagree? I think it's telling that the... They didn't finish in the top six, but like if you break the Premier League, I think Ancelotti is probably the fourth, th- third or fourth uh, best manager. Yeah. In, in, yeah. In there. He's, the third, just, he's the third best manager. I don't know whether they can get their act together in too short a space of time. And, th- you know, I think they'll they'll have a struggled season because of that. Because I think the other, the other teams that I've mentioned are a bit further along. But I can't disagree with you. But the, Arteta is an unknown, you know, and it's when, when again, if they hit a sticky period where they draw a few games, maybe lose one here and there, and the game, and the you have a couple of injuries and, and it's their fans are so are just so noisy that 
I think that I think he'll be okay, but it's how he survives that and how he comes out and does he is he able to keep himself mentally on lockdown because he's been Pep's understudy and Pep Pep loses his head and he you know it's whether he's learned from uh, learned the good things from Guardiola but sacked off the bad things and you know whenever Guardiola loses his head Man City lose their heads and if he's if Arteta has taken that trait as a manager. I think you far you fall far further, far quicker at Arsenal than you do at other football clubs. Yeah, I mean, I I put Brendan Rodgers above um, above Frank Lampard, to be honest, in that list. That's true. Um, but yeah, apart from that, yeah. Didn't think of Leicester, did you, Chris? <laughs> they're not the top six. They're not the big six, which is no. uh, you know the big six like. So um, no, you, you, you said managers on the men. No, 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 the big six, the big six. So you know, obviously Liverpool, Man City, Manchester United, um, Chelsea, Man U. That's the, yeah. that's the, an Arsenal. I think I think I missed them. Um, but but look, I I agree with you on the on the Brendan Rodgers thing. I think you know he's a, he's a good manager. He's got trophies and um, to prove it. He hasn't got the resources, and I don't see Leicester being in the top six this season, if I'm honest. Uh, but I seem to get Leicester wrong on these season prediction shows yeah. more than any other team. Yeah. I did have Chelsea in the top four last season. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of the ones that I got when, when everyone else was saying no chance. Because they just do that. They just have those random fucking good seasons when everything should be going really poorly for them. And, you know, they're on the same points as Manchester United last season. I think Man United finished on the same points as they did the season before. Um, but they got into the top four. Uh, I was having a debate last night with, with a few people about, is that a better season? I think it is. I think they improved because they got into the top four. Um, even though they got the same amount of points, I think they are a better side. Manchester United done the honour of Solskjaer, certainly at the end of the season than they were at the beginning. It's interesting what no fans is going to do this season mm. um, and I think you know Liverpool might be affected the most from having no fans in the stadium yeah definitely the Arsenal as well I think Arsenal fans as well have got quite an influence on their team but um, yeah Liverpool certainly obviously everyone well it's weird because people say that apparently the, that the myth of the Anfield atmosphere and then I saw somebody argue on Twitter yesterday that um, Liverpool can't win any games without their fans so, um, <laughs> yeah. Arsenal, I think Arsenal will be better for not having fans, and not because not because they're used to playing in an empty stadium, banter shit. But like when you're trying to learn to play out from the back, Ben, it's so much easier without moans and groans in the fucking stadium. No, totally. Um, you know, the, the obviously the goal on Saturday doesn't it comes from a really good move coming back from the back from Arsenal. They've, they've certainly got the players to do it. I mean, you know, David Luiz have his, has his faults, but he is good on the ball. You know, and as a ball playing centre back, that is probably what he's best at. Never mind the defending, but he, he's he's very good at doing and pushing out from the from the back. So I think um, so. I, th- I think under Arteta as well, he's obviously had the influence from Guardiola. I, you know, I, I don't think they're to be sniffed at. The, quite, the, the point that I was going to make, though, I, I just wanted to sort of ask about Man City. Like, in terms of, obviously, we, we, we've talked for a long time on, and maybe this, is, maybe this is a better topic for around the league when I do that later, but is, is there a possibility with the ageing squad and the desperation of the Champions League that at some point Manchester City and Guardiola just have, like, a Mourinho-esque third season? Like where they just completely bottle it, and I just wonder whether that will, whether the, the desperation will reach boiling point at some point, and yeah. this could be the season where it all just collapses a little bit, and they have a real struggle. I don't know. It would be lovely. I mean, yeah, I, I said I'm more I, out of hope. I know. I live. I, I live for like twenty years waiting for Man United under Ferguson to have that season, and it never, never really came. Um, but no, it's it, it, it exists in possibility. That's the thing that people forget about about the thing. Why are we saying? And look, we're, look, we're Liverpool fans, so we're, we're, this is framed about who will challenge Liverpool because it's Liverpool's title. Liverpool's title. Liverpool are the reigning are the reigning holders, and our squad. Okay, yeah, I think at the moment it does need a. I think it does need a little bit of work, but by and large, Liverpool aren't. They're certainly not significantly weaker. There's no players who've, whose ability-wise have dropped off a cliff in that time. This is not like we've not lost. Like, it's not like losing Vincent Company for you know the season before for Manchester City, and this is a situation where I think we should be. We should largely be okay, and if we can add, if we can add another one, maybe I think Liverpool should be should be absolutely comfortable. But no, it's always about stability for me and and that's why I think Man City and Liverpool will be the teams who were the, who were the, who were challenging for the title because they've got that they've got serial winners they've got loads of world class players they've got brilliant managers they've got an established way of playing they've got the fear factor that they put into other teams as well 
Um, and yeah, and, and again, winning breeds winning. The other teams have all got something to prove, and that will help them. But it, also, we've been in that situation. I recognise that situation time and time again. That it just sometimes you you, you need something to go your way. And that's why it will be a competitive top six, top seven, top eight, maybe this this season. But I would be shocked if any of the other any of the teams broke out from the pack and, and truly went the distance. And they will. There will be conversations to predict something this season. In January, people will be talking about another team being in the title race. But I said this all along: you're not in the title race unless you're within unless you're in the final. What? five, six games of the season, if you can win it then, that's a title race. But they love a, they love a title race narrative in, in, in December. So I'm sure there will be about eight teams in contention for the title by Christmas. Um, but I'm not sure there'll be anyone other than Liverpool and, and, and City by the time it gets to the uh, gets to the crunch time, as it were. Anyone else got anything more to add? Not on that one. Brilliant. Other than my legs gone dead. Yeah, brilliant. I don't think um, anyone really cares. Uh, right, I get to some of the comments actually on that one because there were some interesting things brought up. Uh, Ian Rush's moustache, got him, Rushy. Uh, it says Chelsea will challenge, they need time to gel. It's basically a new team. I think that's a really interesting point. Uh, Chelsea strike me as a team that will start brilliantly when you've just got that rush of having all these new players and doing things. Chelsea always do that. Um, so that'd be interesting. Um, Dog Millionaire. City will be close to 90 competing in the league. Chelsea will be in the high 70s for third. United Spurs, Arsenal. We've got 70 odd competing for fourth. Um, Abishek saying um, we will drop off due to the empty stadium and finish on 85 90. Depends on City whether we win the league or not. Chelsea will not catch us this season, but we'll push 80 points. Uh, Umer here saying Arteta's better than Ole and Lampard. Uh, and Mr. A saying Klopp, Pep, Arteta, Mourinho, Lampard, Ole currently on trophies won, etc. Some really interesting points there, guys. Uh, if you want to continue the debate, please do in the comments. Um, yeah, really, really interesting stuff. Right, okay. Uh, final topic from the day comes from you. Emma, what have you got? Yeah, so I went for more of a little bit of a fun one to chat about. So how would you spend your night preparing the night before, let's say you were a Liverpool player and you were playing in the Champions League final? What would you be doing the night before? And then, once we've won it, what? how would you be celebrating that night that we've won it? So basically the contrasting 24 hours. So... I'll, like so for me I'll kick off so I was thinking the night before I'd need something to kind of take my mind off the pressure and the expectation of the game so I just like not want to think about it at all so I'd probably stick on a film like something I've got to think about like Shawshank Redemption or something like that like a nice like long film so I'd probably do that night four try and get in there and night's sleep all that kind of jazz and then the night after once we've won it did you see like after um after the Champions League final when Bayern won it, I think it was um, Javi Martinez, but basically put like big ears on his head and he was like walking yeah. around posing for photos. So that that would be me, like, so in the after party, that would be me on the table with big ears on my head and a bottle of rum in my hand. That sounds amazing. I mean, yeah, I, I personally, like, I, yeah, I don't know what how I'd prepare for that because having never been an elite sports person, I've got, I just don't think I would be able to handle the pressure. Like, I, I, I would be, a, I would be, a, I would be up till all hours in the morning. I just wouldn't be able to. But after party, and I, and it's weird because I'm probably more sensible in that in that regard. But now they would be carrying me out of pop worlds. Yeah. Like literally, <laughs> literally dragging the European Cup behind me. I'd have it. I'd have it like handcuffed to me, and I'd just be like, I, I would be drinking. Uh, I, yeah, just be, just be drinking horrendous tacky cocktails out of the European <laughs> Cup pop world, dancing to Spice Girls till like till I collapsed. Um, and I can't think. I of love the idea way. of this being some kind of like Spanish pop world as well, because obviously <laughs> yes. it's not. It's just like pop a world at, and it's like El pop mundo. You had the real Spanish phrase there. I like it. Um, yeah, I think um, I, I, um, I think I would prepare. I think I'd go along the same lines with Emma. I'm really enjoying Fall Guys at the moment. So if that's still a thing when I'm a European Cup winning sportsman, then um, I will. I, I'll go and have a game of that in the evening with my mates. And just there's a fairly famous picture, isn't there, of um, I think Pirlo and maybe Cannavaro before the 2006 World Cup final, where in the afternoon they're just playing. FIFA or pairs on a PS2, and um, and sort and just sort of chilling out. And um, so I, I like the idea of being as cool as Andrea Perlo before before a big <laughs> cup final like that. Afterwards, um, I think 
I think you've just got to enjoy the night, haven't you? You've got to do where it, where, it, where it takes you. There's an argument to say that you should just really savour it and you should just sort of chill and maybe, you know, have a... Have a, you know, you can imagine like some people going, oh, I'll just sit in the back room and have a glass of whiskey and look at me medal and you know all that. But I, I, I don't think I could bring myself to do that. I've got to go out and have a have a good night with my mates and really celebrate a, an achievement. I don't know. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't remember a thing. Like all this is like savoring it. Yeah, yeah, not remembering a thing. <laughs> it's got to be done. Uh, did anyone before the Champions League final read into Robert Lewandowski and what he does before games? No. Anyone at all? So Robert Lewandowski's like uber fucking mad. Like you know what I mean? Like, he, he, his wife's a nutritional expert, and she has encouraged him to eat his dessert first, then his main course, <laughs> right? Because the 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 sugars in the dessert help to break down the main course in his stomach more quickly, and he can get his digestion going. And he like he only sleeps on his left leg, so that he doesn't <laughs> in any way harm his right leg, his shooting leg, as it were, before the game. And this is something he's been doing for the last couple of years, like, and he's got this pre-match routine where he puts his left boot on first and all this type of stuff, and it's absolutely mad. And so I think I'd be doing all those OCD style things pre-match, but also, uh, yeah, so that's probably pre-match. And post-match, you just have to look at Jurgen Klopp uh, celebrating any of Liverpool's titles uh, or trophies to see exactly what I would be doing post-match. And that would be like, you know, mad dances and all that sort of type of stuff, ties around my head type of stuff. So, yeah, I think that's pretty much the, the before and after for me, uh, because what I would really want to do pre-match you would not be allowed to do to take your mind off it before a football game and I'll just leave that one with you guys yeah bring a, bring a spare heard. pot of piss with you is what you're saying um the so uh, yeah, sad. um yeah it's fine um yeah I'd have to also be that person who goes out onto the pitch when it's all quiet with me medals have some quiet reflection on the pitch you know in the empty stadium have a little cry make sure and some talk- nice photos taken get like a nice photo yes the last time yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely, definitely a bit of that before I went and started smashing the pop classics and the cheeky vintos um, right great thank you very much to everyone who's joined us for the podcast this week for everyone who's interacted uh, do make sure you go and check out our three episode mini series on Liverpool's number 19 title on the redmentv.com right now uh, if you want the trans- Reds transfer roundup show but you don't want to go and sign up to the website you just like YouTube that's fine we've got you covered not only do you get access to custom emotes uh, to use in all of our live streams you also get one additional bonus show each and every week for the next two weeks it is the Reds transfer roundup show and then it becomes the final word uh, from the weekend game so yeah extra analysis extra content more from me more from Chris more smiles more love more mighty Reds this season do get involved we hope to see you there for all of that and uh, yes guys thank you very much see you all soon Tada. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.